Welcome to the Authentic Embodiment Podcast, a space to unlock your soul's highest potential for remembrance and embodiment. May these musings and discussions ignite you on your own journey of becoming your most authentic self. Hello, beautiful babes. Welcome to another episode of the Authentic Embodiment Podcast. It's me, your host, Kyra Peterson. And today I want to talk about something I think that, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably weaving in the same way that I am and resonating with some of the same energy and information that's out there on the interwebs and in social media. And there are a lot of accounts and really wonderful content creators that share about inner child work and inner child healing. And there that's a pretty dense topic. That's heavily related to psychology, right? Um, I think we all can recognize that we each carry a wound or many wounds that have stemmed from childhood. And even if we don't remember all of our memories from childhood, which obviously we don't, there's a whole uh, scientific biological reason. And I could explain that if you like, maybe I will, maybe I will. So as a segue, I'll just say from the information that I know, um, this information's from a really wonderful book by one of my, my um, just, wonderful mentor is Alberto Valaldo. I, I'm in one of his programs and he wrote a book. He's written, he's written many books, but he wrote a book that I read um, this year called The Heart of the Shaman. And he goes on to talk about that from the ages of zero to seven, we're very much in our limbic brain. That is our primal caveman brain. That is the survival brain. That's, that's making sure that we, as it says, are surviving and thriving and it's there to protect us. Um, but it's very me first. It's very much looking at the world through uh, a very small fixed lens, which is just the seat of me. I, I'm relating to everything from my limited awareness and I'm constantly look, looking for perceived threats or real threats in my reality. But in today's day and age, we don't really have to use our survival instincts like our ancestors did, you know, thousands of years ago, right? Um, we don't have to go out and take a, a bow and arrow or a spear and hunt an animal <laughs> to eat. We can just open up our fridge. We can even just pull something out and pop it into this fancy box we call a microwave and have it <laughs> ready to go in two minutes if we want. We can hop in our car, turn over the ignition or press a button and start our car and drive down the street and get food. We really don't have to access our survival instincts like we used to, our ancestors did, I mean, but those survival instincts are still very much alive and activated. So it really, it's perceiving threats instead of real threats. They're just perceived threats most of the time, right? Our adrenal response spot spikes. We go into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mode. We might shut down. We might yell. We might run away. We might escape and numb. We all have these um, very real adrenal responses. But essentially, we process quite literally millions of bits of data through the cones 
and our eye, which are, you know, behind your eyeball, behind your retina, we have all these cones and rods that attach to all the neuron receptors in our brain. And every time light comes through your eye into your retina, it passes through these cones in your eye, through these rods, into your brain, into all of your neurological system. And that is what is the electrical current that's sending information through all of your neuron receptors in your brain. And they travel at 28 miles per hour. How wild is that? 28 miles per hour, little bursts of electricity are just moving through your through your brain and speeds that you honestly really just can't see firing in a very small contained space, you know, your brain and whatnot. And the more information that keeps repeating itself creates these neurofeedback loops, which are essentially habits. They build these bonds because that connection keeps happening over and over and over. So every time something happens to us, every time an experience happens, good or bad, and we keep repeating that thing over and over, we're essentially wiring our neurological system with habits. The more our neurons travel down same paths over and over again, it lays out these pathways that become habitual. And then we don't have to think about it. Just think about when you're little, all the things we have to learn, which is everything. We have to learn how to walk, talk, eat, brush our teeth. We have to learn how to dress ourselves all the way up to drive. You don't really think about driving cars, but when we first started driving cars when we were kids, it's a little terrifying to make sure we stay in the lane, right? How do we keep this car in this really small lane? And now there's people driving around, not even looking at the road while they're on their phones driving. And they still sort of intuitively know where they need to be, right? That very limbic brain that keeps us surviving and is is also where all of our habitual programming lives which is brushing your teeth chewing food all these things like they they exist there right and as we get older the age seven and beyond so between the ages of zero and seven is when all of your major habits and your major neural pathways are laid out after the age of seven, those rods and cones behind your eye shorten, and you go from processing millions of bits of data to about 240 bits of data per second. And now all of the data that you're receiving, you're deciding not for me, for me, based on what's been laid out, what's been habitual within your nervous, I mean, in your, in your, in your brain, through your neurological system, right? And it's harder to create new habits. It's harder to change after that. Not that it's not possible. It's just that our main personality traits, the things that have happened to us, they are programmed and ingrained within us really beyond the age of seven. Now, this also accounts for why we don't really hold a lot of memories. We're processing so much information at such a young age and we, our prefrontal cortex, which is in the front of our brain, that's our seat of consciousness, rationalization. It helps us analyze, slow down and be in our ability to respond versus react. It helps us move out of survival mode. It helps us contemplate things, think about things fuller. It's how we're exploring philosophy and our creativity and our expression. And until we kind of reach that age where we start developing that, we're really much stuck in the eye programming. If you have children or you're around children, I can speak from experience. I have a really beautiful, sweet four-year-old daughter. They're always thinking from their lens of awareness. I want me, 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 me. I want this. I want that. 
and they're not really considerate, sometimes we consider the little ones little assholes because they say mean things. <laughs> and it's not that they're intentionally being malicious. They're just only really utilizing that limbic brain. So it's very blunt. It's very primal. It's very much survival, me-oriented. And as we get older, we start firing up those mirror neurons where we have resonance, where someone's crying. We want to check on them and see if them see if they're okay. It's the reason why our our favorite movies that make us cry, even though we know they're not real when we're watching them, they still make us cry. It's those mirror neurons. It's the resonance to understand there's other people in the world, and it helps drive that empathy and it helps drive that compassion and resonance with each other, and. So anyway, say all that, <laughs> just to say that we all come as adults here and now with these, with these programmings, with these patterns, with these habits, with these uh, woundings, traumas from childhood, whether we remember it or not, because after the age of seven, when all those rods and cones short, we're not processing as much information. And because we're processing so much information at such a young age, we haven't really fully form that part of our brain that stores the house in our brain that stores memories long term that kind of comes beyond the age of seven that's why many of us don't have you know we can't just name a hundred memories we couldn't go through 50 memories between the ages of zero and four or five that's the reason why most of us have maybe five or ten solid memories maybe some of us don't even have that based on our level of trauma um that we carry with us and so Inner child work, inner child healing is really an invitation to look at the parts of ourself here and now in this present reality that are being triggered and being activated by people and experiences as an invitation to think of that trigger as like sort of like a weed even though I don't really agree that, you know, weeds are weeds. They're all still beautiful creations from Earth. I mean, dandelions are considered weeds and their roots are so potent as liver detoxifiers and cleansers. So I don't I don't want to say weeds, but just for the sake of the conversation, just think that it's a disservice to Mother Nature to call all of her gifts weeds. Um, but a weed, like crabgrass, grows out of the ground, right? So imagine that trigger is the crabgrass growing out of the surface of the ground. Now, if you just pull it and you don't pull the roots up, it's still going to keep continuing to grow. So even if you even if you bury your trigger or you lash out and you get defensive or you put up some boundary or wall so you don't get triggered, the wound that that trigger is attached to that's activated you in the first place, it's still lives below the surface and its poison is still seeping to the surface bearing the weeds right the crabgrass and creating more triggers and i think uh, i think there's a level that not not in a space to cast judgment or shame or blame i just a collective awareness and i've had many moments in my life i want to disclaim that i've I do this still, and I have done this many times, but there's a level of spiritual bypassing, I believe, when it comes to our triggers right now. And I think there's a fine line between healthy boundaries and putting up walls to avoid feeling our uncomfortable wounds when we are triggered, when we are activated by an experience or by another person. And 
if we can sit with our triggers when we're triggered in the moment, let's just talk for the sake of this. We're going to be talking about family dynamics because a lot of inner child wounding comes from family systems or whoever, whatever guardians um, or caretakers cared for us when we came into this world and as we were little babies and children. So when we're, if we don't have a healthy dynamic with our family, and even if you think that you do, there's still tipping points where something rubs us the wrong way, right? And whether we're conscious or unconscious of it, how many times are we caught up in cycles where a family member says something to us? It could be a parent, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, cousin, grandparent, you name it, just family, right? And we feel that little like ping of pain in our chest, and then we say something back. That's sort of the same energy. Maybe we don't say the same thing back. Maybe we're not as malicious. Maybe we're not as mean, but we're reactionary. And we want to defend ourselves or we want to attack or we want to shut down. We want to avoid them. We want to just end it here and not have a conversation. And sometimes that is valuable. But sometimes it's bypassing something much deeper below the surface than the trigger. And when I started really diving into my own journey of inner child healing and connection last year, I sort of started out in a big space of spiritual bypassing, really recognizing the wounds that I was carrying um, from a particular family member and relationship dynamic and really looking at their shortcomings and the things that I perceive that they did wrong and not really looking at my own level of accountability in it and not really having the conversation with that person. So I thought that I was putting up healthy boundaries for a relationship that was really activating and really triggering for me when really I was putting up walls. I was bypassing this invitation from the universe to sit with those moments that I was very triggered by this family member who was gaslighting me who was shooting all over me, telling me constantly what I need to do and what I should do. So instead of sitting with that activation within me and allowing myself to trace that thread down to the roots, to the core experiences or moments, whenever I felt gaslighted, when I felt like I wasn't seen, heard, validated, when I felt like I wasn't good enough, when I felt like I should be something different or I need to do something different, just sitting with those moments that I can remember, that I can recall, and even if I can't, just sitting with that feeling that I know I had as a child, even if I can't pinpoint every experience, I know when I sat with myself as a child, the moments that I felt like I wasn't good enough, that my feelings weren't important, that I, my feelings were too much, And just sitting with that. And I think the reason that so many of us, myself included, end up leaning into that default of feeling like we're putting up healthy boundaries, but really we're putting up walls because we feel uncomfortable diving into that. Because you know what? It is fucking uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to self-soothe. And that's really where the catalyst is, is in our ability to, when we feel triggered in a moment or activated by a family member, it's, it's an invitation to trust our triggers to teach. I've talked about that before in an episode about triggers. You can find that. (laughs) You can find that episode, that previous episode for the Authentic Embodiment Podcast. But 
just trusting our triggers to teach us and trace those threads to those core wounds, those core stories, even if you can't trace the wound, just the old stories, the old narratives that keep us feeling like we need to be defensive, like we need to defend ourselves, like we need to explain ourselves, like we need to put up a wall or create a boundary, just really sitting with that part of ourselves because that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to validate and soothe ourselves sometimes. And it's, you know what? It's just not as rewarding to see our own selves sometimes and hear our own selves and validate our own selves. We really just want the person who couldn't see us, who couldn't hear us, who couldn't hold space for us, who couldn't love us or at least love us the way that we needed. We want them to validate us. They want, we want them to lick our wounds, right? We want them to hold us. But not every single person, no matter where you are or where your level of awareness is, is going to meet you in the same space. Even if you're ready to heal a relationship and you have gotten to the root of the triggers, gotten down to those stories and those narratives, kind of cracked open those wounds and you're ready to heal them, it doesn't mean that the other person wants to either. It doesn't mean that they even care. That's the unfortunate Reality. I mean, I say unfortunate, but it's all in divine timing. I believe that we, obviously I've talked about this many times, but I believe and subscribe to the belief of incarnation and reincarnation. So I believe that before we were conceptualized in the wombs of our mothers or our, you know, biological birth mothers, maybe that wasn't the woman or mother who figure who raised you, but before we came into the womb of a woman, our soul looked down, looked at the current life. Your soul looked down at the life that you have right now and was like, yes, that's the life for me. Based on my soul's karma, what I'm meant to learn, what medicine and wisdom and lessons and challenges I'm meant to receive and overcome, that's the parents I choose. That's the family I choose. Those are the relationships I choose. That's the life I choose. And then we are born into this world. And all of that remembrance is wiped away upon entry. But that doesn't mean that our soul isn't very much active and alive within us, carrying those codes, carrying that wisdom, carrying that soul mission and purpose. And I believe that every encounter is a holy encounter. And before we incarnated into these flesh in meat suits, <laughs> our human form. We chose our family. We chose those relationships knowing that those relationships were in alignment with the wisdom, with the teachings, with the lessons that we are meant to learn and receive in order to heal, in order to grow, in order to transmute and evolve. And if our family, if our grandparents, our parents, our siblings, and beyond didn't and do not show up the way that they do here and now we wouldn't have the opportunity to have the awareness that we have right now you wouldn't be sitting here resonating with my words in this podcast the way that you are if your family didn't show up the way that they did if they had just a little bit more awareness than they do now then maybe you wouldn't be in the place that you were where you've just really dived into dissecting your wounds your family dynamic and you want to be the change maker. I think so many of us have incarnated at this, at this time, this generation, because we realize that the, our family lines, our lineage can't keep carrying on the same way. 
and we've come here to shake things up and be the pattern disruptors. And I think there's this perception in some of the elder generations that everything's gone to shit and the world's literally a rolling dumpster fire. But I think that this is what happens. This is what happens. This this is the birth canal. You know, when you're laboring to have a child, it's not just like, oh, I'm pregnant and it's beautiful. And then bloop, here's a baby. I mean, sometimes that is for women, very much so. But there's a laboring process, right? Where, you know, your beautiful baby is just like slowly creeping through this birth canal and it's kind of tight and it's restrictive and you don't know how long it's going to last or when you're going to get out. But you know what's on the other side. And I think that's very much where we are right now. There's so much upheaval and so much has been stirred and shaken up and brought to the surface. It's almost like all of the darkness and the shit has settled into the bottom of a glass. And we, our generation, has just come and been that energetic spoon to stir it all up. To stir it all up, to to bring it from the bottom, to bring it to the surface, and to talk about it have a conversation and be willing to be the change and to show up differently and that really requires a level of honesty and a willingness to dive into our our own wounds our own life experiences and unpack them to learn the lessons that we are meant to learn and knowing that every lesson that we learn on our journey is a tool is a is a gift is a teaching that you carry with you that you carry with you and that everything that you learn on your journey is your medicine and no one else's and your medicine is meant to be shared because we heal through sharing we heal through connecting because we're all in this together so i i've recently been in my own experience with feeling very triggered by some some core wounds from my childhood. I'm aware of what the core wounds are. I've allowed myself to, you know, set aside my what my perceived boundaries and walls were. Um, I've I've allowed myself to have a conversation with this person, and to open a container for the conversation um, to be received. So both of us have shared. I've said my truth. This person has spoken their truth, and in a sense. After that, after those conversations, we've turned over a new leaf. And now, as the sacred wheel of life continues to cycle, right, we're on the other side of it again. And by saying I'm on the other side of it, I'm meaning that I'm feeling very activated and triggered again. And this person has fallen into what I perceive as like old patterns and it's reactivating some things in me. And instead of expressing it, I've just been pausing, allowing myself to expand on what I'm feeling and to not feel the need to defend or attack or to avoid or to shut down. I've just allowed myself to feel what's coming through and be with that version of myself. And for me right now, this version is very much like an age 10 to 14 when these wounds were very much alive, when I was so aware of them. And I went through a really dark period at the age of 12 and I was suicidal um, partly because of this dynamic. And 
it's still like all of these pieces of us, even if we want to forget about them and even if we don't carry a lot of memories, it's stored in our body. There's a wonderful book called The Body Keeps Score that really dissects and explains all of this in a very beautiful um, way. And so our experiences live in our muscle. Our muscle stores these memories, right? Just like if you've been struck before, if you've been beaten, if you carry those wounds of physical abuse, and let's say you've had some repeated abuse, someone raising their hand to you or... Um, your face, anytime someone raises their hand to you now, you might flinch. You're like, sorry, it's just a habit. Even though no one needs to apologize for that. Um, we store these things um, in our body. They're very much alive and active within us, even if we don't carry the remembrance of why. And if we allow ourselves, just like in the moment a few weekends ago when I was very activated, to pause to be in a quiet space, to be with ourselves and be alone and just allow ourselves to go into that trigger, into that feeling, the experience presently of what's activating us and just see where we're feeling it in the body, seeing if there's any tension or uncomfortable sensations or feelings in our body. A lot of times when we're carrying um, past wounds, it lives in our chest, it lives in our stomach. We might feel it in our, in our womb space feel that tension in our shoulders and our jaw, you know, maybe our, when we're not feeling supported, you know, in our upper back, not feeling supported in our jaws, like we're not feeling safe to speak our truth, not feeling supported and, and being seen. Sometimes that can manifest in like headaches, right? Feeling disconnected from our higher selves, maybe having the veil of illusion cloud, true seeing, right? And so a couple weeks ago, I, I just decided to sit with that experience and I wasn't perfect showing up in that container with this person. I, I am not perfect by any means. I mean, I, I am, I am perfect just as you are as an extension and creation of God, but we are human beings and we, this, that we're here in this, this human boot camp here on earth to make mistakes. That's just part of the human condition. I really believe that we've implanted here in the earthly realm. The 3D reality as human beings is like a, a boot camp, a spiritual boot camp where we have the opportunity to fast track and accelerate our, our expansion and our growth for our soul and in this lifetime. So I had moments where when this person was shooting all over me, and telling me what I need to do, what I should do, wasn't asking nicely, was being very demanding. I felt activated. I just, in moments, sort of shut down, but I was also aware of it. So I was aware that, like, I don't have anything nice to say, so don't say anything at all kind of vibes, right? But just sitting with, okay, in real time, in this moment, where am I feeling that contraction? Where am I feeling that that tension? And it felt very much between the upper part of my heart and my throat chakra where I felt like when I tapped into that, it was a lack of lovelessness, not giving this person the privilege of their own process, knowing that, you know, they're a human being too. And they're here making mistakes just like I am. And that doesn't mean that they're perfect and to get better. That requires practice, right? Practice time, patience. And, and then that throat activation where I was withholding 
I was withholding my loving communication. I was withholding my loving, compassionate communication. And I had this just ball of toxic words that I wanted to spew out. They were just ruminating in my brain and my mind. I wanted to say them, but I didn't. So I could just feel that very much alive and living in my throat chakra. So I just sat with that. And there was just one moment where I was activated enough to say something, but I kept it in integrity. And instead of being defensive and reactionary, I just explained that I'd felt very activated and I was doing the best that I could in that moment. And to please give me a little bit of grace. And the I was around this, fa- this family member for a few days. And on the final morning, when I was feeling my most activated, I decided to go into meditation and just invite that version of me, that 10 to 14 year old version of me to come forward. Just seeing her in my mind's eye, imagining her, like the kind of stuff that I wore when I was into, you know, my braces, just all the things, (laughs) that bad haircut, you know, and uh, just allowing her to come forward and just say, tell me how you feel. What's, you're hurting. I can see it. Speak to me. Tell me what's going on. I'm here and I'm listening. You're safe. You have my undivided attention. I hear you. I see you. And I just felt it. I could feel it. It's almost like this this talk, this chatter, this feedback in my brain. It's like I could feel like her mad. And, and I, you know, we've all been very activated as like prepubescent slash teenage children. <laughs> um, and we know how we used to talk and how we used to show up and operate. And it can be, you know, obviously very much from that wounded state. So we haven't really activated the emotional resilience that we carry as adults here and now, you know. And and when I gave myself here in this present reality, that moment, to just slow down when I'm feeling so activated, move myself away from that experience into a private, supportive space where I can just <sighs> invite some breath into the spaces in my body that have been activated, that feel uncomfortable, where I can feel the tension, where I can feel my shallow breath, where I can feel my anger, whatever the, whatever the feeling is, it could be, it could be sadness, right? And just really feeling what core emotions, not, not the big narrative or story. Like she's always, she or he's always this. And they're always doing that. Whatever the narrative is, they said this, they did this. This is why I did that. Like feeling almighty and holier than thou, like really just removing who's done what stepping out of our woundedness and just anchoring in to the core feeling. And for me, it was unworthiness and it was also another extension of a different core wound that was where I feel constantly micromanaged and told what to do because what I'm doing isn't good enough, which is enveloped in that feeling of unworthiness and So I just sat with that and I started thinking back to the moments in my life where that was very alive for me in childhood. 
And I traced it back to that period between 10 and 14, like I said, where I could really, really anchor in not a lot of memories. I just remembered two or three specifically, but just focusing in on those time frames in my life, those moments and allowing that version of myself to come forward. That version of myself who didn't have the ability and art of contemplation to like really expand on it fuller, who didn't have the, the energetic and, and spiritual tools in my tool belt now that I have, who didn't have the awareness, who didn't have the self-love, who didn't have the emotional intelligence, just allow that version to come online while I sat in a meditative state, just breathing through it, anchoring into those places, kind of placing my hands on any parts of my body that I was really connecting with that felt very, very representative of that time in my life, like really felt the presence of my 10 to 14 year old self in these places in my body and just sort of pressing on a little bit, doing a little bit of body healing and I just allowed her to be heard and I could feel that version of myself speaking to me and I just whispered her words out loud and I just said the hurt things I said the reactionary things I didn't say them to the person right I didn't say them to the family member who I was currently feeling triggered by but I allowed the version, the past version of myself whose wounds were triggered and activated here in my present experience to come online, to sit with her, to hear her, to see her, to tell her, I hear you. I see you, little Kyra. And I'm so sorry that this person, that this family member cannot see you cannot understand the things that they're doing or saying are contributing to you feeling unloved, unseen, unworthy, but their perception and the way that they show up doesn't make you any less lovable or any less worthy. Lay down your defenses, sweet girl. There's nothing to defend and there's nothing to attack. You're perfect and whole exactly as you are. And every time that you're reactionary, every time that you give the same energy back that you're giving, you're giving your power away to do anything about it. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And that's sort of something along the lines of what I share. And really those inner dialogues and conversations, that's what, for me, my lens of awareness is in these conversations we see about reparenting and inner child work. It's allowing those wounded aspects of our inner child from our childhood to come forward. We carry all of our experiences with us, good or bad, but the ones that we ruminate over and have trouble moving past are the bad ones, right? Like we don't, we're not like, oh, I just can't get over this really joyful experience. Like it's not like that. Emotions only last in our body for about 90 seconds. In psychology realm, this is something that's talked about. 90 seconds an emotion lives in our body, but the, the energetic imprints, the remnants 
of those experiences carry on for for a lifetime for for a lifetime we we end up holding on not to the experience because the experience is gone if somebody breaks our heart in that moment and 20 years later we still have a grievance against that person they're not breaking our heart on a loop every moment of the day so if we're still holding on to it we are holding on to the remnants of that experience because it's in the past and so allowing ourselves to do this inner child work and it can extend beyond that it could be from a past relationship it doesn't have to be childhood it could be a relationship we haven't moved over i mean moved through or worked through we still carry that and it's impressioning our relationships that we're in now and that woundedness might be coming to the surface through trying to micromanage and control our partner have such rigid expectations of how we expect them to show up because if they're not showing up the way that we need then we feel like our needs aren't getting met and then that triggers all of our old wounds from our past relationships where we weren't loved the way that we needed or seen and heard and validated and supported the way that we needed it could be in it could be our abandonment wounds our rejection wounds that cause us to be really jealous of our partners that causes us to complain about all their shortcomings all the time and call them out all the time it doesn't have to be just inner child work it's really just an invitation to look at these past versions of ourselves as soul fragments right we're all these multifaceted diamonds and every time we turn that diamond just a little bit we see new fragments right light reflecting off of new fragments and some of them provide rainbows and some of them don't <laughs> and so it's these these moments where we can really connect with our inner child where we can connect with that soul fragment for me that soul fragment was very much that 10 to 14 year old version of myself that needed to be seen heard needed to be spoken to from my current spiritual lens of awareness with all my current spiritual tools and with my current self-love with my current presence and awareness and connect with that part of ourself that's that's keeping us kind of frozen right we're frozen in that woundedness because it's still very active and it's still very alive in us it could be 20 30 years later right and whenever we connect with that part of ourselves allow that inner child to come forward and we listen we hold space. We speak to it. Sometimes do some channeled writing. Allow it to write to us and through us. Then we liberate ourselves from holding on to that wound, to that suffering, to that pattern or story, whatever the old story or narrative is, and we free up that space. It doesn't mean that, that we don't carry that soul fragment with us, but we finally allowed ourselves to sit with it. We're always running away and burying things, right? But sit with it without being reactionary, without blaming the other person or the other experience and just telling that part of ourselves, getting beyond all of the defensiveness and woundedness that doesn't want us to dive in deeper. And we free up these incredible amounts of energy that allow us to transmute, to heal, like literally quantum leap into a fuller version of ourselves in more unencumbered ways. And it's so easy to hold on to the residue 
the sticky residue of our past experiences that have happened to us so we carry them with us and the impression and inform our current reality especially the ones where our heart was so deeply connected and invested and especially when we were so tender and innocent and young so the invitation if these words if these transmissions have resonated with you is how can I connect with those wounded parts of myself how can I connect with those old stories and those old narratives that feel very triggered that feel very activated here in my present reality and creating a safe container for yourself I think we all can agree that even if we think that we don't have enough time especially if we don't think we have enough time it's really a sign from the universe that we need to make time but we can all carve out 10 minutes 10 minutes in a moment that we're feeling activated even if we can't immediately like go get away we can still remember what activated us what conversation what experience what happened or didn't happen that activated us where we felt it in our body sort of store that in our brain and then when we have the time and we have the space come to our meditation space come to your room close the door lay in the bed go and sit in your car go outside and slow down close our eyes connect our breath connect back to that place where we felt the activation allow it to come online in a safe container letting that version of yourself that soul fragment know that it's safe and allow those feelings those stories to come online those remnants and be in the space of reparenting be in the space of holding space you know if you think about like for instance if this wound has to do with your parent how would you reparent yourself like if if this is a 10 year old version of yourself that's coming online and you your parent didn't show up for you the way that you needed or wanted in that moment how can you show up for yourself here and now in that moment what would you want to hear from your parents that you can tell yourself now that you can be for yourself now that's really the deep invitation and whoo what a very heavy topic right i've got some things i want to share with you i love just sharing things i love sharing tools i love sharing prompts because on this journey i think so many of us get discouraged the words you know inner child healing and shadow work get thrown a lot around a lot and when we see these like journal prompts and questions we're like oh it really just activates and brings up all the shit and then we don't know what to do with it it's like we get prompted with a question and we're like wow yeah i guess that is me and i guess i have some healing to do but then we don't know what to do and then we feel stuck because we don't know how to move through it we're still so deeply triggered we keep being reactionary there's so much anxiety depression hopelessness there's so many walls that we put up and then and then that manifests in our womb space and then that anger lives in our body and that disappointment that rejection it lives in us and it informs our reality and our experiences and then on the cycle continues so I wanted to imbue you with some wonderful uh, some, some wonderful practices and just some musings that I've jotted down. If this lands and resonates with you to help you connect with your inner child so that you can heal, right? So we can become a fuller and more embodied expression of ourselves, as I always say. So the first thing that I recommend, it might be a little out there for some of you, but I have an altar space I'm currently sitting at. I record a lot of my meditations. From my altar space and 
I have a few altars around my house. I have one, um, like I said, as I'm sitting, this is my main altar space slash meditation space. And then I have one in my office. I have one by my um, fireplace. I have one in my kitchen, like sort of on my island area. It's not really an island, I guess, just the counter. What I don't know, whatever. I've got, I've got, I've got them everywhere, guys. <laughs> and so, creating an altar for your inner child. What? what things lit you up as a child like maybe you're really into Polly Pockets or My Little Pony maybe you have some mementos from childhood some of your drawings some of your pictures even if you have no nothing nothing I encourage you to go to the go to the store go to the toy section and just allow that inner child like go through with the eyes of a child and what lights you up and buy one thing create an altar and the altar doesn't have to be anything crazy like it could just be even if even if you don't have the funds and resources or even if you just don't want it you're like that's silly i don't want to go out and buy a toy like teach their own having a photo a favorite photo of you on your altar or in a space that you can see every day and check in with that him or her that childhood version of you every day and keep reminding yourself that that's the only person that i have to impress today that is the only person I have to impress today is me, that version of myself who was like, man, it's going to be so fucking rad when I'm an adult. I can't wait till I'm all grown up. And they just thought like, wow, all these adults in my life are so cool, right? They thought like, wow, my dad or mom is so strong, right? All these things were just so odd by adults, right? That version of you. That's the only person that you have to impress every day. The one that's filled with childlike wonder and innocence and magic and play and beauty. Impress them every day. How can you invite more play? How can you invite more bliss, more creativity, more innocence, more presence? And impress that version of yourself. Um, I invite you to listen to some of your favorite music from your childhood or your teenage years. What kind of music did you listen to? What made you jam out? It could have been, you know, the alphabet song. It could have been the chicken dance. It could have been a theme song to your favorite show. Maybe making a Spotify playlist or going and finding a video on YouTube and listening to that. And it doesn't have to be like the very youngest version of yourself. Like, what did you like when you were a teenager? I've been really connecting to the teenage version of myself, and so I'll share with you some of the funny things, because I'm, I mean, I'm not embarrassed, like, I am who I am. <laughs> I was super in, and by the way, if you resonate with this, like, drop a comment, like, I would love to know, leave a comment here on iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you're at, hit me up on my website, kyraluna.com slash podcast, and let me know if this resonates, um, I loved, loved, I, like, I can't say it enough. I was obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Not the movie. I mean, I did like the movie, but the show. I mean, I mean, so obsessed that I had a huge poster on my wall that said it was Buffy, which was Sarah Michelle Gellar holding a stake. And it says, if the apocalypse comes, beat me. <laughs> and which is funny, you know, if you're if you're like, I don't know. 30 and beyond you understand what beat me means because it's a pager thing and I didn't really grow up with pagers but like my mom had one growing up you know <laughs> when I mean whenever I was growing up I I didn't have a cell phone until I was 16 because they weren't really around you know um so 
I was obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was obsessed with Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I named my very first pet. I had a little black uh, Siamese mink. Not a black. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I wish it was black. But I had a really dark gray, almost black and like light gray, sort of tiger striped Siamese mink with like really beautiful like sort of emerald eyes. They were like a yellow green. Um, kind of reminds you when like light hits an emerald gemstone and I named her Sabrina after the show Sabrina the Teenage Witch because I I loved that show and I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer which is so funny because like a lot of times if we look back at our childhood at what we were into then it's sort of like it, it, it was already the invitation into who we're meant to be and some of that might be suppressed like I was really into like the occult and the mystical and the magical and the elemental Ill energy of like of, of like the the underworld like uh vampires and dragons and and like not like in some weird demon ideology or worship by any means just fascinated with what's beyond this physical plane and the potential for magic like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer Willow um one of the characters played by Allison Hannigan like she ends up becoming a witch and I was like ah it's amazing but we grew up with all these negative connotations like I grew up in the era when like Hocus Pocus came out whenever I was a child and Sabrina the Teenage Witch was really the only like positive play but there was still negative connotations where people were like ooh witches to them but in their household it was fun it was uplifting it was silly and it was good good wholesome magic right talking to our black cats, like living the dream, hanging out with our aunts, conjuring up some spells, silly things happening, nothing bad and negative. But a lot of the connotations on which is like burn them at the stake. They're going to eat your children. <laughs> like, And it's so funny because at the beginning of this year, I decided to follow my inner child lingerings and I enrolled in a witch school course with my mentor, Mia Magic, and I, I followed I followed my inner child and it's just following those little nigglings like what would my inner child want me to do today? What would my inner child want me to eat within reason? Like, you know, n not going to like uh, not making like uh, mac and cheese bowl followed by ice cream followed by cookies followed you know followed by like a fruit by fruit roll up followed by like laffy taffies <laughs> like not all those things but just following those things sometimes like you know what today I'm gonna eat shell macaroni and cheese and Vienna sausage I don't eat that anymore because I'm a vegetarian but like that might be it for you and you want to eat something you ate when a child like sometimes I'll go and pick up Rocky Road ice cream because that was my favorite ice cream as a child and just like delight in it the way that I know I used to like you know every time I like pick out a marshmallow when a little a little nut together so I can get them together with a scoop of ice cream and have like the best mouthfeel just following those little things that like the kids do for no reason when you sit when I think that's the beauty of being a, a parent from my lens of awareness is I get to watch my daughter just like really like be outside and play in like a bucket of water with like a little mermaid toy and a fish and it's just the most magical time for her and and she's connecting to this other world of elementals right like magical fish that are all like rainbow colored and and mermaids and things like that and we sort of lose that as we get older because we get told that's silly or that we need to grow up or that's just make believe and pretend or we're just imagining things and we sort of lose that sense of wonder and not that every single person's going to show up and just be a magical human being and be like yes you're right I'm a witch too <laughs> but it's just following those little niggles like last weekend um my partner my beloved and my daughter and I were at a, a festival here uh, like an art festival in town and I decided to buy some heart-shaped glasses because my daughter bought these red she she didn't buy it she's four we bought her these 
glasses she wanted these sunglasses they were red and the frames were shaped like butterfly wings and she was like mommy what do you pick and so i was like you know what yeah i'm gonna i'm going to participate so i allowed my inner child to pick out these huge humongous like they extend beyond the sides of my face red heart-shaped glasses and we wore them around and we had the best time and so I just allow myself to follow those niggles. Like I was scrolling through TV the other night before I decided to come to bed and read a book. And I had about like, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour to watch an episode of something. And, and I don't watch a lot of TV of my choice. I usually just kind of fall in and watch what, what, uh, what my husband wants to watch. But I was on Hulu and it showed Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I want to watch an episode. Just I just picked a random one. I just went to like season two, picked an episode and watched it. And it, it's just like it just stirred up all the things when I was a child. And it made me realize why I was so like not romantically or like sexually attracted, but just attracted to the energy of the character that Sarah Michelle Gellar played of Buffy because she was so empowered and she wasn't afraid to speak her truth or show up the way that she was. And I... That was mirroring back to me parts of me that were afraid to show up and speak my truth. And that's why I was attracted to her energy in the first place. So just watching the old movies, listening to the old songs, playing with things that really like lit you up or allowing your inner child to choose like what music you want to listen to or the show you want to watch tonight or just allowing your inner child to guide you out in nature just go to a park go to a nature park go hiking instead of being on trail obviously within reason don't just go like walking off cliffs and crazy things like I'm just saying in a flat area allow your inner child to allow you to walk through a park and stop and lay in the ground and watch the butterflies and the bees like coming in to to, to drink up some of the beautiful nectar of the flowers and talk to trees and and take a piece of grass and you know two pieces of grass together and you know how we used to blow on them between our lips like allow yourself to do those things because we get so caught up in our busy fast-paced world that we lose all the magic all of the wonder that that was our birthright we literally came into this world with you know what it's like babies right just like fucking blown away by things like you make a noise and they're like holy shit what was that how'd you do that like everything is so magical because everything is magic right like the fact that we have all of our five senses to engage in this fully sensory experience that is being a human being is pure magic all of the color that we can see and sounds that we can hear and joy that we can experience the links that we can travel the stillness that we can facilitate it's completely magical another way that i invite you to be inspired by your inner child is to allow your inner child to pick your clothes in your closet like maybe it's just wearing a color you don't normally wear like that one yellow shirt in your closet that's like i don't ever really wear or like you bought a silly shirt you know thinking like as a joke and really that was your inner child being like oh i love this shirt with like an octopus that says free hugs you know um i have that shirt by the way (laughs) Um, just allowing your inner child to dress that way, like have fun and explore with like makeup and styling your hair different. Choose a day if you're, if you're, if you're concerned about what, how other people will perceive you and that's something you haven't worked beyond, pick a day when you just stay home, wear your pigtails, um, wear some, wear some fun, like hair, butterfly hair clips in your hair, do some like lime green glitter eyeshadow. And listen to, you know, for me, my go-to to connect with my inner child, I feel so fortunate. <laughs> and I'm sure my sisters and brothers who are in the same kind of age range as me, I'm 34, feel the same. But I grew up with 
like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, Remember Five, Bewitched, Mandy Moore. Dude, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. There's like so many. But I grew up in that era. And so I'll just, and Spice Girls. Oh my God. How could I forget the Mecca? Spice Girls. I will throw on Spice Girls or Hanson. I will listen to uh, two of the Spice Girls, Spice World or the Spice Up Your Life album and the Middle of Nowhere album by Hanson. And I still listen to them. I still have my CD from fifth grade of Hanson. I have always loved Hanson. Um, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I never got to see them play live because I grew up in a very small town that you're not really close to any concert venues. I mean, it takes four hour drive to, to get to a city. Um, so I got to see them play for the first time in 2015. And when they played Mbop, and I heard it play for the first time. I cried. <laughs> I cried. I cried because like, that's what my fifth grade version of myself would do. Like, that's what an 11 year old version of me would do. I would have been crying if I saw his in concert, like screaming my face off. Right. Allow your inner child like go to a thrift store, take 20 bucks with you and allow your inner child to go to a thrift store and pick out some stuff. It might be a shirt with a sunflower on it or some like bright orange pants, like allow your inner child to to pick some things out for you that light you up. Like when you go to the store and you're in the checkout line and you see your favorite candy bar, like from when you're a kid, like I used to love whatchamacallit's like grab one. I used to love score and Rolo, the little Rolo caramel candies. I used to love like uh fun dip I'll just grab it sometimes for me like just like when my daughter she wants those little chocolate eggs we get her one occasionally like that's the stuff that lights us up when we're a kid go get your like favorite Mountain Dew or whatever the thing is like it's okay to have one every now and then right um just inviting you to do those things and then last like that doesn't cost anything for the most part like pick an activity like did you like to play in dirt did you like to dance did you like to sing did you like to play with dolls did you like to draw collect rocks um, whatever it is, like allow yourself to do those things. Um, I like to collect things. I used to always collect things in nature. I used to always collect like leaves, pine cones, sticks, rocks. And so I do that obviously with a little more reverence. Um, I always ask mother nature if it's something that I can take and I just don't constantly take and take and take like just here and there, or like, you know, I'll pick a dead leaf that fell from a tree. I don't take from the tree while it's living. Um, I just things like that. And I used to create little like offerings. I didn't even realize what they were when I was little, like, you know, laying out sticks in certain formations and putting, you know, some rocks in certain ways. And really like that's giving an offering, making an altar an offering to the earth. And so I still do that with reverence. And I used to talk to trees when I was little. I did. I used to talk to trees whenever I was little and I believed that they could speak to me. And I was always told that that was silly and I'm just, I just have a big imagination, right? You have such a, just a big imagination. You can't really talk to trees, but trees are living. They're living sentient beings. Like the oxygen that we're breathing in our lungs is because all these incredible trees all over the planet produce the oxygen for us. They're alive. They communicate with each other for a hundred miles or more below the surface through the mycelium network, below the root system. They're so alive. And I know now that I can communicate with the trees. And when I hear them, it's almost like a telepathic communication. If I place my hand on it and I get really still, I can start feeling the vibration of the tree and then I can feel its energy coming through. And, you know, I had what I thought were imaginary friends. A lot of us had imaginary friends when we were growing up and they were just told like, oh, that's just your imaginary friends. 
But now I know that those were or is one of my spirit guides or one of my guardian angels. Like whenever I was little, I was so tapped into it that I remember riding my bike and not seeing like a physical person there with me, not seeing a person at all, but I could see like an outline. Like if there was a shadow of somebody except the opposite of a shadow, it was like light. And I just saw the outside ring of it. It was almost just like a glow of a person. And it was just like floating right with me as I was riding my bike. And I had a name for them that I gave them. I talked to them. I could feel them and hear them talking back to me. And then I just kept getting told that I need to stop pretending or I just have a big imagination. And then we, we believe. We believe what the people who raise us and our peers tell us when we're growing up. Like we all know that like we have to be careful with what we say to certain age children because they'll believe it to be true. And you're like, don't say that to them. They're going to think that's real. Like don't let the bed bugs bite. Like yes, bed bugs are a real thing. But then sometimes our kids are going to go or kids are going to go to the bed and be like, oh no, there's bugs all in the bed. And I know obviously, like I said, but bed bugs are real. But that's just something that we tell kids, right? And it's not necessarily like you physically have bed bugs in your bed but they'll they'll take it for the truth of the reality and they're like no I'm not gonna go in my bed there's bugs in there so just really allowing yourselves to connect in whatever way like through that creative outlet our clothing our activities the music selecting toys building an altar our 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 presence just sitting and being out in nature, allowing yourself to be guided by the, that spark of our inner child. And as far as healing, I mean, I pretty much, those are ways to connect to our inner child, right? And as far as healing, I obviously gave a long spiel about, you know, my, my reflections on inner child work and some, some ways that I've been navigating through. But as I said, many triggers we have stemmed from early experiences in our life. And even if we don't carry those immaculate memories, like where we can remember everything fully of these wounds and these memories or traumatic experiences, the remnants of them are stored in our body and still online and active. And so when we can slow down, allow ourselves the space, the safety, and the support of our own selves to breathe into our bodies, be in our bodies when we're feeling triggered, slowing our breath down, asking ourselves, where does this tension live in my body? And when I tap into any discomfort or tension in my body, are there any feelings that come up? Maybe not feeling seen not feeling heard, not feeling worthy, maybe feeling jealousy, maybe feeling lack. Maybe it's anger and rage. Are there any childhood or teenage memories or experiences that come to your mind? And it's a beautiful invitation to do some channeled writing. If, if you're really kind of struggling, just connecting visually, because this is a very, this experience means that to connect with your inner child means you've got to slow down like slow down put your phone away take some deep breaths close your eyes and use some of your beautiful imagination because our imagination is a gift like it's a gift we literally create we imagine things into reality our our thoughts create our reality so if we can visualize that version of ourselves that's wounded right what a teenage self a yesterday self a childhood self a year ago self 
we can connect with that version of ourself. We can really access, like I said, the medicine, the wisdom from those experiences. And it gives us the ability to self-soothe and to reparent. Or maybe it's not parent. It could be re-sister, re-grandparent, whatever it is. Um, and conversation journaling is a really beautiful way, like an intuitive channeled conversation journal journaling. So kind of goes along those lines of I call upon my inner child or I call upon, if you know the age, 10 year old, I call upon my 10 year old self, for instance, to write to me, through me, anything that I am meant to receive to heal and transmute this wound or this experience or experiences that are very much active and alive in my present reality. So just I call upon that version of myself, that soul fragment to write to me and through me. Anything I meant to receive to heal, anything I need to know, you can word it however you want, what really resonates. And even if nothing is coming through, I still encourage you to keep writing. Like nothing is coming through. I'm really frustrated. This is fucking stupid. Just allow yourself to write through it because what you're doing is you're allowing your ego to dissolve and dissipate by giving it a voice because sometimes we're activated as adults, just like we give that voice to that activated, wounded soul fragment or old version or story of ourselves right um sometimes we're carrying that in our present reality sometimes we have these activating parts of ourselves so it's our ego here and now so just giving it a voice giving it some space creating the space to get it out on paper will allow yourself to move out of your own way to move out of your ego's narrative your ego's distraction to remove that veil of illusion and tap in to the version of yourself, the soul fragment that you are trying to access and trying to integrate. So that's kind of what I got. I feel like this is a real, I could talk forever, but shoot, this is a long episode, guys. So I really hope this information serves you. There's so much floating out there about inner child work, and there are some incredible, beautiful prompts out there, a lot of questions that are inviting us to reflect retrospectively right on our own wounds and our own experiences there's a lot of stuff about the mother wound and the father wound and healing the our inner child our our inner feminine masculine and sometimes that's a bit overwhelming right and I think it's so valuable with all of the information out there right that is inviting us to contemplate contemplate on our own experiences, contemplate on our own wounds and our own past relationships with our family members. Although that's very beautiful, I think it's so important to remember that we are multifaceted people and at some point we grow up and we forget that we spent a large portion of our life being children. Being children who played, who were silly, who were imaginative, who were creative, who were fully present before our conditionings, before our woundings, before all the stories and narratives that we've accumulated, we were that. No matter how traumatic our life were was, we all had that childlike wonder within us. Whether it started diminishing by the age of four or the age of 17, it all lives within us. And if we can slow it down and allow ourselves to connect with that time to time, from time to time, we're really inviting integration, healing, transmutation 
to happen. And that's my invitation for you today. Wherever you are, wherever you're planted as you listen to this. And if this episode is really landing with you and resonating, I would love to hear from you. I love feedback. I love it. You can connect with me on Instagram, land at underscore Kyra Luna, underscore K-Y-R-A-L-U-N-A. Drop me a message. Leave me a comment. One of my posts. You can also head over to KyraLuna.com. Select podcast from the drop down menu. I have a feedback form you can find when you scroll to the bottom of that page. Drop your feedback. You have any questions? You have anything that came through? I would love to hear what lights your inner child up. What were your favorite shows? Your favorite music? What was the favorite thing? Like I love going down memory lane. I love reminiscing. And I would love to hear from you. And as always, thank you so much for showing up in this space with me and for being in this space with me. If you haven't already subscribed to my newsletter, get yourself over there and do it. Okay, please, please. <laughs> I don't want to be demanding. I'll ask nicely, please. Um, if you head over to KyraLuna.com, scroll to the bottom. I'd love you to sign up for the newsletter. Once a month, I release a newsletter with all of the upcoming events, sometimes some freebies and I've just always got some good juicy stuff in there and it's sort of a continuation on this right now. I myself and my beautiful sister and co-facilitator have crafted a wonderful container for women called the moon magic sisterhood. You can find us on Instagram at moon magic sisterhood. Magic is spelled with a K added onto it. So it's moon M A G I C K sisterhood. And you can also learn more about the Moon Magic Sisterhood by heading over to KyraLuna.com and then select the Moon Magic Sisterhood from the drop-down menu to learn more. We are hosting free online women's circles monthly under the illumination of the full moon. And it's really a beautiful space to drop into some healing, to drop into some wisdom, to drop into sharing and connecting with other sisters. We work with the cycles of the full moon and releasing, letting go, completion, as well as the archetypal energy of whatever zodiac sign we are moving through in each full moon. And it's an invitation that we guide you through meditation, through rituals, some journal prompts, and... This invitation is for healing, for expansion, for really the fullness of our highest potential. And Ashley is a beautiful, intuitive oracle and tarot card, read, tarot card reader. And she does a beautiful reading for the group as an integration tool. So when we move out of these full moon circle containers from month to month, she's got some really beautiful insight and some integration questions to sort of carry us through. And when you sign up for these free, did I mention free offerings through my website, even if you can't attend our live circles, we send you a replay link as well as all the delicious love offerings that we were sharing about in the live call. So if you are a womb bear, identify as a woman, we would love to have you in these free circles. We also have an online private Facebook community for all of the sisters who sign up for circle, whether you sit in circle with us or you watch the replay, you will receive an invite to this beautiful space. And in that space, 
Ashley and I offer some magical monthly love offerings specifically for our sisters in the Moon Magic Sisterhood Facebook group. And you'll only have access to those if you join the group. So come on over. Join us in a circle. We'd love to see you there. There's so many sisters. If that feels a little like an edge for you, just know that so many sisters drop in. We have so many first timers that drop into the circle. And the feedback is consistently that it was really beautiful. And we see them for the next ones and the next ones. So if you're a little intimidated or it feels a little out of your comfort zone, know that every single sister that shows up in these circles, it was their first time at some point too. And you're so welcome here. It's via Zoom. It's online. You're muted. You don't have your microphone on and you don't even have to have your video on if that feels like an edge for you as well. Like this is meant to be such a safe and such a supportive container. And I don't want to push anyone beyond their comfort zone. I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel supported. And so does Ashley. So if that resonates as well, like I said, if you're a fellow sister, definitely check us out at Moon Magic Sisterhood on Instagram. You can find myself on Instagram at underscore Kyra Luna. Kyra's K-Y-R-A. You can also connect with my wonderful co-facilitator and amazing sister Ashley at geist.tarot. Geist is G-E-I-S-T dot tarot T-A-R-O-T. And connect with us. We love connecting with you and sharing in this space. Until next time, I love you, I love you, I love you. Big love, big magic.